Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. This morning about a subject that's very necessary in the church as the background goes up, and it needs to be talked about more, and it's not popular today, and it's very misunderstood, and that is the word holiness. Amen? It's, it's all throughout the Bible. And uh, like I said, it's not a subject that's real popular in church today. A lot of people don't like to talk about it, and a lot of people don't have it really understood. They've got uh, some different ideas about it. If I were to ask you what that means, and maybe you were a new believer or something, you wouldn't know. You might, you might not know. You might uh, have a, an idea of a friend. Maybe you were raised in a certain church. Um, maybe, maybe you had uh, some, some theology ideas or something you were taught when you were young. And lots of things come into your mind when you hear the word holiness. But there's a holiness in the Bible that is very pure and very easy to understand if we take it at face value. The reason it says pursue is because we will never be, until we're in our glorified bodies, the holy people that God wants us to be because we're in a physical human body that is marred by flesh and marred by sin and sin nature. But there is a pursuit. How many have ever heard of the pursuit of happiness? As you know, you got to pursue it, right? you got to pursue holiness. And that was the verse I sent out this morning that it says, Seek peace with all men, and, and in all ways that you can, seek peace, right? And then it goes on to say, And live a life of holiness without the such, what does it say? No one will see God. Amen? Now, when we start to talk about that and we start to talk about holiness, I know that some might have been raised in some, maybe a church that, uh, you were taught that holiness was how you dressed. And listen, there is a truth to modesty. We need modesty. Can somebody say amen? That modesty is very important. New Testament talks on it. But there are people who think that the exterior of your body and how you dress is what holiness is. That's just something that comes from holiness. But holiness starts in your heart. It's something that starts inside and it comes out. Uh, there was people, I've heard people say, this is funny, I've heard people over the years say, uh, he's a holiness preacher, or they're a holiness church. And I'm thinking to myself, that would be like a, an insurance agent saying, I sell insurance. Like everybody should preach holiness, not just a preacher or a church. Holiness is from the Bible. But has anybody ever heard that? That's a holiness preacher, or I preach holiness. Well, what else are you preaching? Right? It's, it's 600 times in the Bible the word holy and holiness. And, and in Revelation, if we just go to the end and we talk about what's going to happen at the end, it says in Revelation that the angels are in heaven shouting, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They don't know any other word to say but holy. And sometimes it's hard for us to grasp what it is, and I hope by the time I'm done this morning you'll have a better understanding. Let's start in First Peter and look at what God says about holiness. It says, But as he who called you is holy. See, God is holy. He is that perfect definition. You also be holy. Now, it's hard to understand sometimes what that is. I want you to stop there for a second. We're going to continue to read in a moment. One of the, one of the ways I can explain holiness and what holy is, 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 is power that comes from God that is so great that it would be like looking at the sun. How many know if you look at the sun for too long, you don't do, it's not, the sun's not changing. It is what it is. If you look at the sun too long with, with carnal eyes, you'll go blind. 
That, that's a picture of the holiness of God. He's so holy that we cannot look upon Him in flesh. We cannot, we cannot go into His presence. If, if you stay in the sun too long, what's the sun going to do? Burn you. It will eventually kill you if you stay in its presence too long. If you don't have sunblock, or even if you had sunblock, that sun, that power, is, it, that virtue of that sun is going to kill you. It is the same with God. We cannot be in God's presence in our own power, or in our own might, or in our own strength. And so he's saying, be holy as I am holy. So we already know that that's an impossible thing to be. We cannot be holy as he is holy because he is perfect. That's why it says pursuit of holiness. We're on a pursuit of holiness. Okay, let's keep reading. So he says, you be holy, and here's how we do it. In what? In all your conduct. Conduct is how you act. Conduct is how you talk, how you walk, how you think. Conduct is your makeup of of your life. It's your fruit. So he says, the way you're holy is in your conduct. And and, and I say this a lot, and I want to continue to teach us this here uh, when I say this. When I say, you know that when I say church, world... I mean all the churches in the world. I'm, I'm, I'm putting them all in, and including us. The church world today is worldly. It's worldly. It's becoming more and more worldly. It's becoming more like the world. And that's not God's plan. God's plan is for the church to be light and salt and for the world to become like the church. But, but conduct has, has influenced the church. Conduct has gotten into the church. And I'm, again, talking the worldwide church, the true church of Christ. And, and one of the reasons is because we don't talk about holiness enough. We don't talk about the conduct. We don't talk about how we should carry ourselves. And Peter is saying, God wants us to be holy as he is holy because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Now, Peter, and this is another thing that's interesting. Because we live in the New Testament, because we live in the new, new law, the new covenant, a lot of people think that God changed. Like he's a different God now than he was in the Old Testament. Does anybody know he has not changed? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But a lot of people misuse the word of God and they say, well, Jesus came to destroy the law and we're not under the law anymore. And so they have this idea that God has changed somehow and he doesn't have the same passion, he doesn't have the same holiness, he doesn't have the same standards that he did in the Old Testament, but he hasn't changed. What happened was God gave us a way to be able to access him once and for all through Jesus. That's, the, that's what changed is our access. But because before you had to do things uh, in a law nature, in a action nature, in a deeds nature, you had to obey very specific things. And if you didn't, you died. And so we're living with what's called the grace age, the age of grace. But the problem is, is when we're given grace... It can become greasy. Grace can become greasy, and we can take the grace of God, and we can make it easy and use it as a license to sin and to get away with things in our lives that are not right and are not holy. Thank you for that one silent clap. Amen. That's, that's the truth. The truth is the church has become greasy, and we have um, embraced too much of the world, and we're not setting ourselves apart enough. Now, he's quoting Leviticus chapter 19, verse 2. Peter here is quoting the Old Testament, showing us that he is not changed. What he's expecting in the Old Testament, he's expecting today. He says, speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy 
for I the Lord your God am. Amen. You shall be holy. He didn't say if you want to be holy, if you think you should be holy or if you'd like to be holy. He says you shall be holy. Now some people don't know exactly what that means, and I'm going to try to help you this morning. Again, it's mentioned over 600 times in the Bible, so it's very important. 400 in the old, 200 in the new. And in the, in the Hebrew, let me break this down to give, to give you real simple. Anybody that knows me knows that I try to take a message and make it simple. Okay? I can go deep, but I want to come out of deep and make sure it's simple and understood. Amen? Elbow the person next to you and say, wake up. No sleeping in church. How many know it's good to sleep at night? Amen. Got a good nap time this afternoon. Hebrew, godesh, the word godesh means this, apartness, separateness, apartness, separateness. In the Greek, New Testament, hagios means pure, set apart, okay, pure, set apart. So we're hearing a, a silver lining here of separation. When we get saved, we separate ourselves from the world. Some people say, well, Jesus ate with sinners. Yes, Jesus ate with sinners, but Jesus didn't do what sinners do. We live in a world of sin, but we don't do what the world does. Jesus hung out with them, but he influenced them. We're, we're called to influence the world. We're called to be something and have something in our lives called holiness, which is a separation. If I do everything the world does, you, you tell me what separates me from the world. Oh, you believe in Jesus. Well, let me tell you something about that. The Bible says the demons do too and tremble at his word. Too many people quote that. Well, I believe in Jesus, and I'm a believer. Yeah, but does your conduct, does your life line up with the fact that you believe in Jesus? How I many know Jesus wishes a lot of people would stop telling people that they believe in him? Come on, I'm not talking to y'all, man. I'm talking to somebody else, I'm talking to the person next to you. Amen. You know, this kind of preaching is healthy. It's healthy for a church to talk about holiness. And separation from the things of the world. Now, this is not, this is important because a lot of times going back again, maybe you've been saved two weeks, maybe you've been saved 50 years. How long you've been saved, you might have some kind of understanding of what, in your mind, of what the definition of holiness is. And unfortunately, a lot of times, holiness can be tied to control and legalism. And going back to how you dress and this and that. And but what people don't understand is holiness is a personal relationship with God. It's a personal thing where God is speaking to me in my life and telling me what I need to stay away from. Because let me say this real quick, and I'll get into this a little bit later. How many know every single one of us in here have tendencies? Every single one of us have tendencies. If you look at the world today and you look at how, how people are acting out things, they have, they're, they're acting out of tendencies that they have in their life. Alcoholism, drug addiction, sexual perversion, lying, cheating, stealing, all those things. If somebody does not separate themselves in Christ from the things that they used to be, they will walk out the tendencies in their life. And they will become that. And it will become an addiction. It will become a chain. And they will not be able to get free from it. So basically God is saying this. Be holy as I am holy means be dedicated or consecrated to me. As Watch this. As I am dedicated or consecrated to you. Do you realize how dedicated God is to us? He came down from heaven for us. He came down from heaven and, and, and lived a perfect life to show us what, that it could be done 
that you can be blameless, that you can be perfect in, in the sense of pursuing holiness. And he said, I'm dedicated all the way to you, and I'm going to die for you whether you accept me or not. So God is saying, now I expect back from you the same dedication, consecration, separation that I have given to you. I'm going to give you an example this morning that is just an example, but I hope it helps. I asked some people after the first service, and they said it did, so I'm glad. Anybody ever collect baseball cards? Let me see your hands. Men and women, you ever collect baseball cards? Maybe you didn't collect them. Maybe a brother did, a sister did, maybe somebody you knew did. But you'll know the idea. Collecting baseball cards is you collect those things, and obviously there are some players who are famous and have made records, and they're very important. And in the collection of baseball cards, certain names carry value. That could go with coins. That could go with a lot of different things. But I'm using a baseball card example this morning. So these two brothers are collecting baseball cards. And, and, and they, would, they would, older and younger brother, they would get together and they would make teams. They'd grab all their cards and they'd say, okay, this guy's on my team, this guy's on my team. And they'd go off their stats and all these and had games. And, boy, that, that has disappeared, amen? We need to go back to that again, that, that simple using of cards instead of t- technology, amen? But those were the simple days. So these brother and two brothers are playing this all the time, but at, at one point, the, the older brother explains to the younger brother, stay with me, he says, some cards I have are special, and you can play with all my cards, but these cards right here, you can't play with them because they're special. Okay? Everybody knows what those special cards are. Those special cards are the ones who are very valuable. The Hank Aarons, the Babe Ruths, the Reggie Jacksons, the ones who have a lot of value, and they're mint condition. I mean, they've never been touched. They've never been dirtied. They're, they're, they're inside of some kind of plastic. And so he, say, he says, okay, so older brother's at school. Younger brother says, I want to show my brother how special I think his cards are and how special I think he is. So he takes his, younger, his older brother's special cards, and he goes and pulls them out of the packages, and he begins to cut around the cards and take the faces and the, and the bodies off of the card and he, and, he, and he gets a three-ring binder, and he makes three holes in the cards, and he puts a white piece of paper, and he glues the, the, uh, the, the, car, the card that he cut out on there, and he makes his three-ring binder, and his brother comes home. And he says, brother, look, I want to show you what I did for your special cards. Y'all here? Can you imagine the anger of the brother when he finds out what his brother did with his special cards, one of them being worth $100,000, Hank Aaron, mint condition. The anger, now that, how many know that brother would want to kill his younger brother, just being real? He has literally destroyed the purpose for which those cards were. Are y'all here? Nine o'clock was more responsive. I need your help here. Y'all here? He has taken the card that was special and he's, he's, even though he thought he was doing something good, he took the reason that that card existed and did it, turned it into something else and ruined its value. When we do that in our lives, so what that means in our lives is when I do anything in my life, be, being, not being holy is when I'm doing something with my life for which God did not intend. When I do something with my life for which God did not intend... Today we have a world who has totally taken God's intention for sex, for example, and totally changed it in every possible way. 
in every possible direction. He's taken those. And so what happens is, how many know that he's a holy God and he's a consuming fire? Everybody wants to talk about his grace, and I thank God for his grace. And that's why I raise my hands today and say, when I see that cross, I see Jesus. But you can't talk about the grace of God without talking about the consuming fire that is God. He's a holy God, amen? He's a righteous God, and he's a true God, and he has to act out his nature. And he expects, say he expects, us to be holy. Isn't that what the word said? It didn't say Blake chapter 19. It said 1 Peter chapter 1 and Leviticus chapter 19. I'm reading his word. Now let's, let's go back real quick to Leviticus chapter 10. And I want to show you a story. How many have ever read a story in the Bible and thought, why was that in there? Why was that in there? Why did you say that, God? Right before we read this, let me give you an example in the New Testament. How many have ever heard of Ananias and Sapphira? They're famous. I don't want to be famous for my disobedience. How many want to be famous in God's eyes for your obedience? Ananias and Sapphira are famous for their disobedience. And in that story, we're going to read Leviticus in a second, but in that story, they give an offering. That's a good thing. Watch this. Watch how we can do a good thing and still be wrong. Because we're not doing what God said. How many as parents have ever told your kids to do something, and when they went and did something, it wasn't wrong, but it wasn't what you told them to do? God is looking for obedience. The church world today is trying to say, no, God, we don't want to do it that way. We're going to try it our own way. And when you do things your own way, you get what you can get. But when we do things God's way, we get what he can give us. How many want what God can give you this morning and not what you can get for yourself? I want it from God. I want his blessings. I want his anointing in my life. If I'm going to break this down and make this simple this morning, that means I want God to use me. Meaning as that baseball card in mint condition, wrapped in plastic, not with holes in it, intended for its purpose, had value. I want to be that baseball card for Jesus. I want to be what he called me to be. Amen. And I'm not going to allow somebody else to take my life and use it how they want me to use it. You know too many Christians live their lives based off of other people? That's the truth. Too many people have convictions in their lives based off the convictions of other people. So Ananias and Sapphira brought this offering. They did the right thing. They gave. How could that be wrong? They lied about how much. And they lied about why they gave it. And Peter said, you're lying to the Holy Spirit. And, and, and Ananias dropped dead. And then Sapphira came in, and he asked her, and she had a chance to tell the truth. She lied to the Holy Spirit as well, and she dropped dead. Serious. That's New Testament. Why does he do that? We're going to see why he does these things. Why does he put these things in the Bible? Now, we're going to read this story, but let me give you a quick background of chapter 9. This is 10, right? This is Leviticus 10. We're going to read what these two sons do of Aaron, who are priests. They're helping the priests. They're, they're assistants. They're, they're godly men. But in chapter 9, God explains, and you can read it later, the whole chapter of chapter 9, he's very specific. He says, take the, take the animal and do this and cook it like this, and cut this, and I'm just paraphrasing for time, and he did very specific on how the sacrifice is supposed to be made. Because remember, we're, we're living sacrifices unto God. So he says everything is specific how it's supposed to be done. And then the fire of God comes down and consumes the sacrifice. 
So God was pleased with the sacrifice, and the fire came down and consumed the sacrifice. Y'all with me on that? So they did it right. They obeyed. God said, do this, 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 and it'll be pleasing to me. The fire of God came down and consumed the sacrifice, and the sacrifice was accepted. How many want to live a life that's accepted unto God? See, we're living too much today for society's acceptance. I want to be accepted by God. Too many people are living their lives based on what everybody else says and not on what God's word says. That's why we get off on these crazy things. Sometimes you look at the things that are going on in the world and the church world and morality and you think, how in the world did it get there? Because people stopped reading the Bible. Or people started reading the Bible and saying, eh, trail mix. I like the raisins and the chocolate, but I don't like the walnuts or whatever. Y'all hear? So he says, Nahab and Abihu, this is his sons, the sons of Aaron, took his censer and put in and put fire in it. Okay, so what they're doing now, watch, they're copying. They just saw the sacrifice happen. And instead of doing exactly what their father did, they said, I don't like that way. I'm going to do it my way. I'm still going to offer a sacrifice, but I'm going to do it my way. That's what the world's doing today. We're not doing it the holiness way. We're doing it the world's way. We want to be Christians, but we don't want to sacrifice anything. We want to be Christians, but we don't want to separate ourselves from anything. We want to be like them and hang out with them and be accepted by them and be accepted by God. It's too quiet in here. Come on, I know I'm preaching to a healthy church here. It shouldn't hurt too bad. Amen? So they begin to make this own thing. He says, put incense on it and offered profane fire before the Lord. Profane fire. Why is it profane? Because he's not doing it out of the right heart, and he's doing it how he wants. Which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them. Now, it did not devour the sacrifice. It devoured the sons. And they died before the Lord. Watch. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke by saying, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. See, we don't take God serious enough a lot. We, like, I, like I said, we like to hear, oh, God is love and God is mercy and God is grace, and he is. But he's serious about his sacrifice. And if we don't take his sacrifice serious, we're in trouble. His sacrifice is his son. Are you all with me? And before all the people, he said, I must be glorified. You ask yourself, am I living a holy life? Your question should be, is my life glorifying God? Is my life, my, my words, my actions, my thoughts, is my life glorifying God? And so Aaron held his peace. Sometimes it's better just to, see, Aaron could have as a father said, God, why? But God knew. God knew what had, had happened wrong. And listen, he couldn't control his sons. You can't make your kids do the right thing. All you can do is train your kids up in the way they should go. You can't make your spouse do the right thing. You can't make your parents do the right thing. You can't make anybody do the right thing. Worry about yourself. Aaron could only close his mouth. Verse 5. So they, so they went near and carried them by their tunics out of the camp, very similar to Acts chapter 5, 
as Moses had said. Is there something funny? I don't think I said anything funny. Okay. So they went near and carried them by their tunics out of the camp as Moses had said. Verse 6. And Moses said to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar, his sons, do not uncover your heads nor tear your clothes lest you die and wrath come upon the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning which the Lord has kindled. Last verse. You shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of meeting lest you die. For the anointing of the oil of the Lord is upon you. And watch, they did as according to the word of Moses. Why did they obey? Because they saw the wrath of God. How many storms do we have to see in the United States? How many problems do we have to see in the world for us to wake up and sober up and say, listen, the church has got to get back to holiness. The church has got to get back on their knees. The church has got to start living the holy life again and start being the salt of the earth and the example that a world needs to see because otherwise we're just like them with a cross around our necks. Amen. Listen to this. Christian liberty is, is freedom not, from, not uh, to sin, but freedom from sin. Jesus didn't die for us to be free to sin. It's like the grace of God. A lot of people whip out their license to sin and say, I'm saved by grace. That's not a card for you to pull out so you can do the things you want to do. It's for when you make a mistake, God's grace is there for you. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. So in my pursuit of holiness, if I make a mistake and fall, his grace picks me up. But it's not so I can just say, you know, I feel like doing this sin that I know is wrong. Grace card. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. And only by the grace of God, church, are, are pastors and preachers and Christians around the world not just being struck down by lightning, by the way we're living. And when I say this again, I'm talking general around the world. Do you realize there's churches who are ordaining homosexuals today? Putting them in, in the church, not just accepting their sin, but putting them in the pulpit. There, there was a, there was a, a man who, who did a, a study on a megachurch and found out that 60 couples in a megachurch leaders were living together, not married. 60 couples in a church in leadership living together, not married. Something's wrong. And we have to be a church that says, God, we're going to try to pursue holiness. And we're going to try to be holy as you're holy. Now, let me keep helping you for a moment to understand what that means. Because here's a key that if you don't get anything else out of this today, I want you to get this. A lot of people try to become holy in their, in their attitude and their character without Jesus. Watch this. Remember that holiness is not the way to Jesus. Jesus is the way to holiness. Did you catch that? A lot of people are good in this world. A lot of people have morals in this world. A lot of people don't lie in, in general and don't cheat in general, and they're good people, and they're going to go to hell without Jesus. Isn't that what the Bible says? Our righteousness is like filthy rags. So our dependence has to be on the holiness and righteousness of God. Not in my own self. Not in my own works, lest I should boast. But I understand that my conduct has to reflect that I serve a holy God. Some, some people don't have the fear of the Lord. 
If we had the fear of the Lord, we wouldn't do a lot of the things we do. The fear of the Lord. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So I fear the sun, not because the sun's going to come down and fall on me, but because the sun is powerful, and if I don't respect the sun, it will burn me. So we have to have a holy reverence and a holy respect for God. Just like a kid that has a healthy relationship with their parents has a holy respect and a reverential fear of their parents. Not that they're just going to spank them because they want to, but if they act up and don't obey, they will put them in their place. We need that kind of reverence with God. We need that kind of understanding of who God is. Amen? How many are still here? It's a sad reflection on the church today that the church is more afraid of holiness than we are of sinfulness. The church is afraid sometimes of that word. Oh, they're talking about that holiness thing. They're talking about being holy. They're talking about sin. What else are we going to talk about? Oh, that church preaches against sin. What do you preach on? What do you preach? Oh, they're fire and brimstone over there. What are you preaching? It's cotton candy? Sugar-coated message. Too many people are afraid to say, listen, we need to sober up and get our hearts and our minds right with God and stop doing what the world does and start being the church that's an example to the world so that the world will want to be like Jesus and, and get saved. But the world is looking right now and they can't separate them. They can't tell who's who. Because we do just like they do. And remember, I'm talking generally in the world. We look like them, talk like them, sound like them, act like them, go where they go, do what they do, and so that the world says, oh, I'm good. I'm just like them. What do I need to go to church for? Some people that aren't saved are better than the church people. They give more. They're more moral. They're more loving. Come on, am I speaking to real people here? So to begin to finish, I want you to catch this. If you haven't got this yet, what holiness is. Once I get saved, now my pursuit for the rest of my life is, that was sin over there. That was my old life. Now I turn this way, and I'm going towards Jesus. I'm going towards God. And every day I'm trying to go closer and closer to God and further and further away from who I used to be, from my former conduct, from the way I used to think, from the way I used to talk, from the way I used to act. Because, listen, I've said this the entire time I've been saved, and it's truth. I can do bad all by myself. I don't need anybody to help me do bad. I'm a bad person. You're a bad person. Yes, you. Yes, you. Yes, all of you. We're bad people. We're sinful. We have a sinful nature. And we don't need help. And so we don't need to feed the beast of carnality. Carnality will feed itself. So we have to make sure we're going the other way. And so in that pursuit, watch this, in that pursuit, we have to make sure that we don't take something that is made for a purpose. Did you know the Bible calls us vessels? And change that. Did you know that there was a, a, a plant and a leaf? Listen to this. This will sound familiar. Uh, that People used to chew these leaves thousands of years ago, about 3,000 years before Christ. They found out this, that the people would take these leaves and they would chew them to help with their hunger and their fatigue and, their physical, and give them more stamina. Now, how many of you ever thought about people who tested things out? Like, how, how, those people that tried, like, went to the plant and let me eat this and see what happens. That was pretty bold, right? Like, they could have died, but they ate and, oh, wow, that feels good. 
oh, wow, it gives me energy. I didn't die. And this particular leaf then began to find out that it would stimulate stomach function. You could use it for sedation, for asthma, for colds, and other ailments. But it originally came, now those are all good things, it originally came from the Peruvians in the Andres Mountains where they would chew it and eat it so that they could have uh, stamina in the high altitudes. Guess what that leaf is that I'm talking about? It's called the coca leaf. Guess what the coca leaf is? Cocaine. God had an, an original intent for that plant. And his original intent for that plant wasn't that. But today, millions of people have died and gone into eternity overdosing on cocaine because they took a plant that was used for some, made for something else and they turned the, the vessel into danger and problem. And that's what we do with our lives. God has set us apart. He has made us a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And he says, I want you to be used for my glory. And too many Christians are allowing the devil to come along and use us for other reasons than what he intended us for. You know, he made us to glorify his name. He made us to glorify his name. And the Bible said that people would want what we have by seeing our works. That they would see things in us that are different. I want to quote, as I close, Smith Wigglesworth. Anybody ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? He's one of my heroes. I, I can't wait to meet him in heaven. This man raised seven people from the dead, obviously in the name of Jesus. One of them was his wife, and he raised her twice. He prayed for her, and she came back from the dead. Later on, I, don't, I, forgot, I forgot how long down the road, she, he prayed for her again to come back. She died. He prayed for her. She came back to life again, and she said, this time, Smith, it's time. Let me go. And he let her go, and she died. That kind of authority. How many would like to have that kind of authority in God? I mean, some would like to just pray for a headache. This man raised people from the dead mightily used was a plumber but I read something about him this week and, and, and listen I'm just going to talk to myself I'm not going to talk to anybody else here but you can jump on if you want I want God to use me I want to be a vessel that his anointing would flow through the more you're used let's take away the wrath of God and let's take away uh, fear of God let's take away uh, salvation that we know we're all going to heaven we have our, our eyes on Jesus okay what about being used the more you separate yourself from the world, the more anointed you get. The more the Holy Spirit flows through you as a vessel. And so that's what I want. Smith Wiggles was a great example. Anybody ever heard of Lester Summerall? See, you're all young, and that's good. You know what's good when I say that and you haven't heard him? That means this, is, this isn't just a church generation. This is an unchurched generation that's gotten saved. Thank God. A lot of people who've never heard of these. But anyways, he was a great evangelist. And he heard about Smith Wigglesworth, and they met on a train or at a conference, sorry, and Smith Wigglesworth said, come anytime you want to England and visit my house, and we'll talk. So he wrote his, he wrote his address down, and about a, a year later, he went and visited him. He knocked on his door, and he had his, a newspaper in his arm and his briefcase. He was dressed nice. He knocked on the door. Smith Wigglesworth opened the door. He didn't say, hey, how's it going, buddy? Nice to have you. What are you doing? He said, he said what do you want? He said, I want to come in and talk to you about the things of the Lord. He said, that newspaper in your hand can't come in my house. I don't allow lies in my house. Only truth of the Bible is in this house. Now, see, that sounds radical, doesn't it? That sounds radical today. He says, that newspaper cannot come in my house. 
He made him throw the newspaper away before he came in. Threw the newspaper in, went in, sat down. Smith Wigglesworth didn't say, hey, man, I'm, you know, I'll disciple you a little bit, or what do you want to know? As soon as he sat down, he opened the Bible and began to read the Bible for 30 minutes. As soon as he got done reading the Bible for 30 minutes, he said, let's pray. Got on his knees, and he prayed for 30 minutes. Once he got done praying for 30 minutes, he got back up again and grabbed the Bible again and read the Bible for 30 minutes. After the 30 minutes of reading the Bible, he got back on his knees and prayed again for 30 minutes. After the second time of prayer, his daughter came in and said, Dad, lunch is ready. They went to the table. They sat at the table. They ate lunch. Smith Wigglesworth didn't say a word to him. They just ate. Very awkward. Once the lunch was over, Smith Wigglesworth got up, left and went to his room. His daughter said, he's going to rest. You can leave now. Never spoke a word to him other than the Bible and prayer. Sounds radical, doesn't it? That happened for years that this Lester Summerall would go. And what Lester Summerall realized, and this was speaking to me, is we need to talk less and read more. We need to talk less and pray more. We need to be less about the things of the world and more about the things of God. If we want to see God use us, there's a price that has to be paid. Smith Wigglesworth wasn't trying to give this man his wisdom. He knew the only way that that man, Lester Summerall, was going to do something for God is if he read the word and prayed. And I said all that to say this, because this quote that I'm going to give to him to close is so powerful. But if I wouldn't have told you that story, it wouldn't have made as much sense. Here's what Smith Wigglesworth said. He was a very simple man. He was a plumber. He wasn't, he wasn't educated. But he knew God. And he knew the power of God. How many want the power of God? Not the wisdom of the world, but the power of God. Here's, here's, his, here's his statement. I find nothing in the Bible but holiness. And I, I find nothing in the world but worldliness. That's pretty simple, right? Pretty straight. Therefore, if I live in the world, I'll become more worldly. But if I live in the Bible, I'll become more holy. So the question is to all of us is where am I living my life? Am, am I living my life in the world? Or am I living my life in the Bible? If I'm in the Bible, I'm going to be holy. I'm going to be right. I'm going to be righteous because I'm going to apply those things. The last verse, let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 1 and we're going to close. I'm going to go to the two verses before the last one I read because this is the how. How many like the how? How do I be holy? I know gird up the loins. This is New King James. I know that's kind of tough, so I'm going to give it to you in New Living Translation. Gird up the loins means prepare your minds and, and, and for action and self-control. Prepare your minds for action and self-control. Look at that word, be sober. Sober is when you've, whether it's drugs or alcohol or some such, you, you have lost, you've been confused and lost control of your thoughts, and you sober up. We need to sober up to the things of God. We need to get focused, sober, and rest. Here's the key. This is the balance. It's a two-way street. Rest your hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. My holiness can never happen if I don't put Jesus first. Okay? And then, so Jesus first, eyes on the cross, knowing that I can never be holy in myself, but then God says, now your job is to what? Be obedient children. Not conforming yourselves to your former lusts as in your ignorance. Okay, so what that means is 
people come into church and they begin to hear the word of God and outside of the word of God in their, in their former lust, they don't know that they're living in sin. People, those, those people living in that church, what, what are they preaching? If 60 couples are shacking up, what are they preaching? What Bible are they preaching? How is that possible? Come on, church. That, that, that was Pastor Dylan and Ashley's story. They sat in a service like this, and I just preached God's word. And they came up to me after a service on a Sunday, and they said, we're, we're, we're living together. we got to get married. We're living in sin. And I married him the next day. If God's word is being preached, decisions are being made. Things are happening in the pulpit, from the, from the pulpit to the, ch- to the chairs, and the chairs are reacting to the altar. Has to be a reaction in our hearts. There has to be something in you today that says, God, I want to be more holy. I want to be more righteous. I want to be more like you. I want, to, I want to live more like you. I want to think more like you. There has to be something inside of you. And if that's not the case, you need to check your spiritual pulse. Because there should be something inside of us that says, God, I don't want that old way. I don't want that old life. I don't want those old thoughts. Because did that do anything good for you? Pursue holiness. Without the such, no one will see God. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. I thank you that hopefully you have spoken through me what you've put on my heart. And God, that we would be vessels this morning that you can use. Vessels that are holy. Vessels that are righteous. Vessels that are worthy of the call. The high calling of Christ Jesus. You said this was a a narrow road. I can't even be on the road without the cross. But because of the cross, I'm on the road today. I'm on the road to salvation. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm set free. I'm delivered. And I want to walk like you. I want to pursue righteousness. I want to make sure that my life is being that vessel that you have called me to be. Setting myself apart in my conduct, in my thinking, in my walk, in my talk, in my actions, and where I go and what I do. Father, all over this place this morning, you're touching hearts. You're causing our church to be a healthy church by removing sin from our lives and causing us to be convicted of the things in our lives that separate us from your grace, separate us from your anointing, that anger you, Lord, because you hate sin. Lord, we want to do right. We want to obey. We want to be a part from the world. We're still in this world, though. So we're going to let our light shine so that our works will glorify your name. How many in this place, before we move to another subject this morning, could say, Pastor, I'm not saved. I've never given my life to Jesus Christ. I have not been born again. If I died today, I don't know where I'd spend eternity. If you're not sure, you can be sure today because Jesus loves you. And he died for you and paid the price for you for your sin. How many would say, that's me? Just lift your hand. All over this place, that's me. Pray for me this morning. I want to be born again. I want to know I'm saved. I want to know that my name's in the book. I want to know that my sins are washed away. Amen. I see your hand. How many more? That's me. I'm not asking you to join the church. I'm asking you to put your faith in the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets under the Father but through Jesus. Jesus. You can't stare at the sun without 
going blind. You can't stand in the sun without getting burnt. You can't stand in God's presence without Jesus. Those that are going to go into heaven are those that are going to claim Jesus. That's why the name gets put in the book. Jesus is my salvation. Jesus is my hope. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is is my door. If you don't have Jesus as the door, you will die in the sun. His fire will consume you. How many more? I'm not sure this morning. God bless you. I see your hand. How many more? Take just a few more seconds. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. God loves us. Amen. How many know God loves us? But he's a consuming fire. And he's holy and he's righteous. And, and he, he takes his son really seriously. He takes that sacrifice really seriously. And if we don't obey, it, nature will take care of that. Say, Lord, I, I'm nothing. That's what you, I'm nothing, Lord, without you. I can do nothing without you. But if I, if I have Jesus, that's why that song was so good today, so powerful. When I see that cross, I see Jesus. It's the only way you can look at the sun. That reverence. Make a mistake. He's, the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive me if I confess it. None of us in here are perfect. But don't play with God. Amen? Don't play with God. If you're going to play with God, just go do your thing. Just go do your thing. Just go, go to the world and live it up. He's not to be played with. It's, it's serious business. And there's a time to laugh and there's a time to joke and there's a time to have fun. When it comes to the sin things in our lives, we've got to take that stuff serious. It's like, like someone telling you, got, you know, play with cancer. Oh, that's fun. Cancer is going to kill you. Why do we take cancer so serious and we don't take sin serious? Sin will kill you. If you don't get it out of your life, it will kill you. It will consume you. And before you know it, you'll be back doing the things you used to do before and worse. Amen. We take it serious. We don't have to be afraid. God loves us, but he wants obedience over sacrifice. Amen. Several hands went up. If you, if you meant that, and you're serious, we'll pray for you this morning. You can, you can say, Jesus, I, I need a Savior this morning. I want to be born again this morning. If you, if you meant that, you raised your hand and you want to be saved, I, I can't make that decision for you. Would you step out of your seat and come up here? And I want to pray with you. I'm just give just a few seconds. Several hands went up. Make your way down here. I'm going to pray for you this morning. I'm going to get five more seconds. I believe in a public confession of faith. Not that you can't do it at your chair. But I believe in telling the world I'm not ashamed of Jesus. Amen. We're going to open up the altars. Maybe you're like, man, I'm, I'm so in love with God. I'm at the best place I've ever been in my life. I feel like I've cut so many things out and doing good. But what about how much is God using you? How much, how much more time can I spend in his word? How much more passionate can I be about the lost? Maybe the Holy Spirit has spoke to you during this message and there's a secret sin in your life that God says you need to get that out. It's dangerous. It may, it may not be hurting you now, but if you, if you don't get rid of that and confess that to me and, and lay it at the altar, down the road it's going to take your life. It's going to kill you. It's going to consume you. It's going to overcome you. Amen. It says those former lusts, those conducts, need to line up with the word of God. Amen.
We're going to open up the altars. We sing this morning. Just find a place at your chair. Find a place at the altar. Let's just do some business with the Lord for a few minutes. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.